Hello, I'm Howard and welcome to the 93.20 Friday show. Uh, the show that gets palpitations watching other teams in penalty shootouts. Uh, we're looking back at City's demolition of Leipzig that gave everyone wings. The toughest of Champions League draws, that's a fact. Previewing a huge FA Cup quarterfinal and a returning hero. And I'll be speaking to Burnley fan John too. Plus, chat about whatever else takes our fancy. So, it's fair to say there's a lot to get through in another bumper episode. And to do so, I'm delighted to be joined by two... Top podders, it's Jordan and Ali. Uh, good afternoon, Jordan. How are you doing? Afternoon, Howard. I'm well. I'm enjoying Manchester's weather, exhibiting every form of weather possible within the space of 12 hours every single day, it seems. It <laughs> goes from sun to snow to hail, it's back to sun and then a little bit of rain again. So I'm not really sure what's going on, but I'd, I'd like to be warm again, Howard. I'm not sure about you, ah, but yes. I've forgotten what it feels like to be warm. That's so uh, Yeah, well, I've just seen a few of my friends at the airport on Facebook flying off to Turkey, so that's not put me in a good mood whatsoever. So <laughs> just checked it out. It's a nice twenty three degrees there. So I mean it's twenty three degrees here but on a different scale. So yeah. As I said on Tuesday, it was it was snowing. Yeah, I said in the review podcast it was snowing, hailing and sunny at the same time at one point on Tuesday. So which is pretty impressive to be honest. So uh yeah. It'll get warmer soon. Don't worry about it. Just g- give it three months. Yeah, uh, yeah. Ali, I don't want to stereotype. You're Scottish. You'll love cold weather, won't you? So. I, uh, I, I have said this many a time before, but I'm the only person to have moved to Manchester for the better weather. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had actually told myself five minutes ago, I was, I was, um, I was having a little internal monologue. I said, right, Ali, when, uh, when Howard introduces you and says hello, don't talk about the weather. You always talk about the weather. <laughs> Just because you live in Manchester, you don't need to talk about the weather. Uh, too late. There, there's not a lot else to talk about when you're in Manchester. It's football and the weather. That kind of dominates everyone for the benefit of the uh, the diaspora. Well, we did the Cult Heroes podcast, uh, me and Joe, last week. And there was... A- a player on there who moved to Manchester for the weather, which was, well, I think that's pushing it a bit, but Alano came from Shakhtar Donetsk and said he was perfectly happy with the weather, which he would be considering where he'd come from. Yeah. And I guess Fernandinho came for the better weather as well. So, so. Neri Castillo, if you remember him. Yeah, uh, yeah. Came from Shakhtar as well for, on loan, didn't he? Tell yeah. you one player who didn't come to Manchester for the weather, Nolito. That's one of the funniest <laughs> stories I've ever heard. When he left Manchester and said, my daughters are different colours of the one she came as, that was one of the most remarkable quotes I've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> was it the climate or, yeah, the food had just made her go green? Who knows? <laughs> one of the two restaurants that in Manchester. Yeah. Yeah, I think that was Gundogan's girlfriend, wasn't it, that came out with <laughs> yeah. that one? So, yeah. yeah. The disrespect to our temperate <laughs> climate. I actually went to Guardiola's restaurant at the weekend task yeah. and i have to say it was magnificent really oh, really yeah. enjoyed it um i'd heard it was overpriced but i actually thought the food was delicious so all right Ilkai's girlfriend can go there yeah well, it's a bit out of my price range but yeah obviously <laughs> for, for you jordan it's uh, <laughs> it wasn't too bad it wasn't know. too bad i've heard some mixed reviews but yeah yeah so would i but i was really oh. really enjoyed it i will go one day uh, look, we've got a lot to get through, <laughs> a lot. So let's crack on. Uh, I mean, I'll, obviously, I'll talk about the weather and food for an hour, but we do have to talk about some football. I'm going to start with a, a 10 minutes max rest of the world, and it's Arsenal out of Europe last night. If you want to gauge 
you know, you can use the Champions League draw, you can use Arsenal going out of Europe, you can gauge the flimsiness of a fan base, City fans. What better than Arsenal actually going out of Europe and then some people declaring that the title race was now over as a result? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, never change. That's why I say never change. But uh, Jordan, I'll start with you. Were you actually supporting them last night? Did you want them to go through and have you know up to five more games? I don't really. I didn't really mind, and I think it's because you can look at it one of two ways. You can either look at them winning and going through as building momentum which I think is more dangerous. Mm. Or you can look at it as um, them having more games to play and, you know, more tired legs. But my opinion on it is that any damage to their morale is a positive because you talk about the flimsiness of, of Manchester City fans. But one thing that we've seen over the last 15 years is the flimsiness of, of Arsenal's team morale and how quickly everything can go to part. Um, and I think in the run-in if you have momentum and you're just winning every single game, then obviously we're going to run out of games to claw back the five points. But we've seen in the past few weeks, yes, they played really well against Fulham, but there are cracks showing in the Bournemouth win and the Aston Villa win, both basically injury time winners where they've been behind. So for me, the more that that team gets used to to losing and having less faith in their ability to win every game, then the better for us. Shame they haven't got a tougher game on Sunday, really. Even if they have changed the manager, I don't mm. think it'll be a big bounce, you know, after this and the extra time. But hey, that's fair enough. Uh, it's talk about fan irrationality, uh, being irrational. Is it just me who got irritated by Zinchenko giving another inspired team talk after they scored? <laughs> they, love, they love a huddle, don't they, every 10 minutes? It's winding me up now. <laughs> yeah, but don't forget Stephen Gerrard's huddle when he said, don't let this slip. It's yeah. not necessarily a bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, it's like, just get on with the game. It's like, <clears throat> yeah, over-emotional, I don't know. Yeah, anyway, just just me uh, picking out nothing whatsoever. <laughs> uh, Ali, I think the main point for me was that it might have gifted the trophy to United now, though. They've got uh, another Spanish team, uh, Sevilla, who we know all too well in the next round. Uh, so I'd rather... I'll re- I think for me, I just wanted Arsenal to play United in that tournament because it would have been a huge distraction. But how do you feel about it? Uh, it it could have been a nice distraction still to be in Europe for them, could it not? Uh, but also on the flip side, when I was watching it, I didn't know what to think because the Emirates hasn't had a penalty shootout before. Uh, really? I, I didn't know that. They never had one. I think they've had one against Rotherham or something at Highbury, <laughs> but the, no, penalty shootouts in Arsenal, just I don't think so. Yeah. Not at home, you know, in home games. So it was the first one, and ultimately it was it was quite enjoyable just watching them go out there <laughs> sort of a, yeah. uh, on penalties to sporting, but how did you feel about it all? Yeah, I, much like Jordan, I didn't really care much either yeah. way. I mean, I, the way I feel about the Premier League is that if we perform as we can, and we win pretty much every game between now and the end of the season, then we win. will win the title. Uh, and I think when you start exp- you know, pinning your hopes on Arsenal like, being exhausted from a Thursday night game when they play on a Saturday or a Sunday, mm. then you've kind of already conceded the um, psychological high ground to them. Well, it's it's um, overthink as well, isn't it? Exactly, yeah, yeah. Uh, and you know, I, I think it's as likely that they will have... a. Um, a bit of a, a kind of a slump in momentum 
uh, as a result of going out. It, it, we may not actually see it on on Sunday. Is, is Sunday they play again? Um, it but it you know, the week after or the week after that, you know, just kind yeah. of they feel fallible now. They've they've lost that kind of uh, titanium shield that you know they they might have been beginning to think that they had around them. Um, so yeah, however it goes. And as for United, I mean, I really don't want to think about them at all. But. Uh, when you said you you talk about gifting the trophy to them, no, I mean I think that that would be um, uh, disrespectful. First of all, to Sporting, um, and then you've to some Roma, perhaps. So. Yeah, by Leverkusen um, as well. By they're yeah. a good side. Musa Diaby's been on great form, so it's not yeah, over. I, I know. I just all... wanted Arsenal United to draw <laughs> each other. It would have been fun yeah. for me. We all know it? how much we all know how much Sevilla love this tournament as well. So, I know, uh, yeah, but yeah, they're uh, not I'm, doing well domestically, are they? But they're not. No, I'm mean, trying. Looking around, it, it's amazing how many of the teams in that um, UEFA Europa League, whatever they call it nowadays, are doing are kind of underperforming in their own leagues. Mm. Um, and you know, maybe the, the, those things aren't connected. You know, the Euro, Europa League is a really hard competition to compete in, um, and I think it does have you know throughout the course of the season. Uh, I think it is a, a um, quite a negative for a, a team in their league form. Um, but when you're talking about getting to the quarterfinals and the semi-finals and all the rest of it, I think the um, the dangers of uh, yeah. Arsenal, um, you know, just feeling a surge of confidence because of because of a good European run. Um, who cares? Let, let's focus on ourselves and not worry about what happens in that silly no nothing <laughs> cup. Yeah. yeah, it could be. It's a very entertaining tournament, you know. But is, yeah. the bottom line is, I don't want the United to win anything. I didn't want them to win the Carabao, but it's a tournament we're too good to appear in. So, I've always said, the moment United, you know, will get to me. I'll feel like I used to feel, you know, it's like, oh God, it's when you win one of the big two trophies and then it'll be like, yeah, I'm turning my internet off for a few days at least. (laughs) Until that time returns, until they win the Premier League or the Champions League, then yeah, uh, I can cope with uh, whatever may come along. So anyway, let's talk City then. Leipzig, uh, you two obviously weren't on the review, so a chance to talk about an astonishing result. Jordan, I'm going to start with you. Just, I, I honestly thought it wasn't pessimism. It wasn't me, you know, nerves. I thought after that first leg, which you know, it was a strange game. After looking at their results and the fact they hadn't lost many games, and yeah, they had a couple of players out, but so what? You know, they've got a deep squad. I honestly thought this was going to be a tight game that City would get through, but only by a goal or so. With that in mind, seven nil is unimaginable to me how good a performance was that and how does it rank for you in our Champions League highlights reel is it right near the top yeah it was a, it was a fantastic performance uh, I shared your I wouldn't say pessimism going into it yeah. but sort of concern just because you know it Leipzig are a good team I, I was on the uh, the what shall we say um, negative review pod after the uh, first leg with you, where we said, you know, this this is RB Leipzig, this is R- <laughs> RBL, um, and we, we, we were aware of their their strengths. And as you said, I think they'd only lost one in about twenty going into the second leg. Yeah, you um, and Berlin, and I, I think it was as well. Also. Yeah, yeah, who who were doing well in bun- the Bundesliga yeah. this year. Um, and I think what plays into the concern going into the game is. We haven't battered many teams this year on the scoreline. You know, we've had some very good performances, but 
those typical city performances that you think of in the Guardiola era where teams show up, get slapped and go home haven't really happened too often this season with the exception of Nottingham Forest and, and Manchester United and probably one or two others that I'm forgetting on, on the spot. So I totally understand why you felt worried going into the game. Um, but the performance was excellent. There were so many good individual performances. Um, John Stones has been talked about a lot playing out of position, um, but he's absolutely fantastic every time he plays for City and we just hope we can keep him fit for the rest of the season. I thought Akanji was excellent as well. Mm. Um, De Bruyne was at his best, but Haaland for me, I- I've seen people suggest the other three for man of the match, but you can't score five goals in a Champions League knockout match and not get man of the match. I mean, he he was ridiculous. Um, and I'm really pleased for Haaland because... I was getting worried that the fewer chances that are presented to him, the more rough he feels in front of goal. You know how he missed that chance at Palace? Yeah, there's a bit of rustiness because... Yeah, Yeah, because he wasn't getting practice. The the fewer times you're in that position in a match, the the less natural it feels. So for him to just have five sort of balls presented to him, none given as official assists, and he just blasts them all away... um, was really good to see and fills me with a lot of confidence going into into the final stretch. Yeah, Ali, if City had, remember that team sheet came out and we're all like, oh God. <laughs> oh God, Pep's done a Pep uh, in the Champions League. If City had lost to Leipzig, Pep would have been slaughtered for that lineup. But we scored seven. Does he get enough credit? Because, you know, 99% of the time ish, perhaps 95, 90, whatever. At the time, he'll do something like that and it works. And we just go, hey, brilliant performance. When it doesn't work, it's all on Pep. Do you think he gets fair treatment? I include from Blues or from just general, yeah. you know, the football media. I mean, I, I think Pep is kind of acknowledged by all of us to be a, a um, eccentric genius in his approach to football. And that includes his approach to picking teams. Um I thought it, when was the game a, a few weeks ago when he tried something? He pulled a rabbit out the hat, and then it, I think it was another um, Champions League game, wasn't it? He said after, um, you know, I tried this and it was horrible. <laughs> um, so he, you know, he knows himself. He does sometimes try things and sometimes they work and sometimes they don't. Um, I was, I was a bit downhearted by the uh, by the team selection, On, not so much because it was a um, new and different one that we hadn't seen before, but precisely because it was the kind of selection that we had seen before on these big occasions and hadn't worked especially well. Um, so particularly, I'm never a huge fan of starting Bernardo and Gundogan along with KDB and Rodri. Then when you've got all four of them in the pitch, um, they all lose something from the performance. Um, and yeah, I think we all had a, a few concerns about the four centre-backs who had played at the weekend um, and I wasn't wildly keen about seeing them again. Um, but what we should also accept is that now these formations are more familiar to us, to Pep and to the players. Um, so it may be that, you know, when when he goes with what you might call a, a less traditional City lineup, um, the players actually have a better idea what they're doing now than they did when he picked the same team or a similar team a year ago or whenever. Uh, so I mean it, it just to reiterate what we said earlier um, it was a fantastic performance and Pep deserves 
all the credit for masterminding it. I did think we benefited from a phenomenon that you see in the Champions League and very rarely see in the Premier League now anymore, which is opposing teams come out against us and they freeze in terror. Um, and I think we saw that in the first half in Leipzig, uh, that it just looked like they were, they were petrified of what we were going to do to them to the extent that they couldn't actually play and they couldn't follow their own manager's instructions. And then they got a bollocking at half time and they came out. And in the second half in Leipzig, they, they played like a proper football team. Um, but then almost from the off, it looked like they, they were playing, you know, what they'd done in the first half a couple of weeks ago, they were doing again. Um, they just didn't look on it at all. They didn't look up for it. Um, they were poor. And then we absolutely took advantage of every weakness that they showed them, that they showed. And, um, yeah, you know, we put them away and, and, um, it, it's refreshing that, to remember that we can do that to teams because, you know, as, as you said a, a minute ago, um, it's a long time this season since we've really done that. You have to kind of mm. go back to September, October before we've, since we've absolutely battered a team. And God, it's fun when it happens. Especially <laughs> if it's United, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, that's right. Um, especially against United, but against anyone, you know, like even you're putting five, six, seven against, you know, I, I remember even when we put eight past Burton Albion or something. Mm. <laughs> I still enjoyed it. Uh, so um, when you've got when you got a team, was, I think it was nine against Burton, was, seven against Rotherham or something, something like that. that. Yeah, I, I just love it. I'm, I, I am an absolute unashamed bully. <laughs> yeah, and, and when we disrespectful, go out totally disrespectful, yeah. Alan. It is, and I am very happy to be disrespectful. <laughs> when, uh, in hindsight, at least, but, never beforehand, but yeah. at least in hindsight, but, um, that, yeah, no, the, it, it was a fabulous weekend. I loved every moment of it. Yeah, the lineup just shows, you know, we see Bernardo Silva on the night, it's like, not sure I want him there. Pep, you know, taken out from that first leg, that Cavadi on the left had too easy a route to his left back, who had too easy a route to the left side of midfielder. Put Bernardo there, completely shut him down, and that's why he's in charge of the club, yeah, the team, and we're not. And it's like, well, yeah, it works a lot more than it doesn't work, and that's why he gets the big bucks. So there you go. I know you've already mentioned him, Jordan, but is there anything else left to say a bit about Erling Haaland? But if the answer's no, <laughs> uh, that it's just a robot and it, it's ridiculous, he's 39 for the season. It's, he is, of course, now the biggest scorer in the season for a City player. If he stays fit, he, he could easily hit 50 and probably should, which just, it's hard to compute in a way, but... Ask you a follow-up question. Does he suit this competition perhaps more than the Premier League or do City suit this competition more than the Premier League? Because opposition teams, you know, like Leipzig, never play dead against us. Well, he says that he loves the Champions League. Um, I'm not necessarily sure it's because of the way other teams play against us. I think it suits City um, because it opens the other team up to more flaws within their own game rather than just focusing on the defensive side of things. But if you look at Haaland's goals against Leipzig, none of them came from running in behind. Um, mm. He scored a penalty, he scored a rebound, he scored two, I think, from corners that sort of just rebounded back to him and saves. He was just in the right place at the right time. Um, and there's one more that I'm forgetting because he scored so many, but I'm pretty sure none of them were from scoring from running in behind. Um, no, I mean, he did twice, but those those were both saved. Weren't yeah, yeah. Um, but we we also do get those chances occasionally when the players decide to play it over the top in the Premier League. So I don't 
think it's necessarily about that for him. Um, I do think it benefits City because, as I say, Guardiola gets the chance to to actually find flaws, and that's what he did. Um, he, he embarrassed Marco Rosa um, by playing Stones next to Rodri and just created overloads constantly. Um, but yeah, just 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 on Haaland, as I said earlier, it's nice to get a reminder of what a freak goal scorer he is. And if you put the ball at his feet um, in the in the penalty area, more often than not, it's only going into into the bottom corner. So fan- fantastic. Great to have him back in form. He always looks like he's enjoying his game when he, score- when he scores, no matter how frustrated he seems during the match. He's always got a massive smile on his face yeah. when he scores. And a fit and firing Haaland for us is likely to be the difference in the Premier League and this competition if we're going to win either of them. So, Ali, explain to me why we're undefeated in about five years at the Etihad in this competition, but can't put Everton at home to the sword. A smaller sample size, of course, but we have turned it into a fortress, and hopefully that will continue with some tough battles ahead. Uh, We've turned it into a fortress in this competition and not others. Yeah, I think a large part of it is what I mentioned earlier about that, the the fear that teams who don't see us every week and kind of haven't got the, you know, how familiarity breeds contempt, as they say. Um, I remember when uh, Pep's probably second and third seasons here, uh, when we were absolutely flying in the the years with uh, uh, Sani Aguero Sterling up front and, and the the hundred point season, we had quite a lot of matches when teams would just come and they would just hope that they didn't get absolutely destroyed and they would offer nothing and they wouldn't really um, uh, they wouldn't go to 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 tour with us um, and we beat them quite easily and that doesn't really happen in the Premier League very often anymore. Um, but I think it does happen in the Champions League, and particularly in the group stages. You know, obviously, you talk about uh, having a, a larger sample size of, of Premier League games in um, uh, Champions League. Uh, but I think what was really unusual about the Leipzig game is that we did that in, in the knockout phases. I think I don't know how many teams have ever won a seven nil in in the last sixteen or beyond of the Champions League. It must be incredibly rare um, because usually the teams that have got through to that level are are above it um but we you know those nights suit us I mean, we're also um i remember a couple of years ago being quite critical of the club as a, a, a an organization in terms of how they managed the atmosphere on champions league nights mm. and i know you know all of us old uh grumpy old blokes get quite uh sh- snooty about the DJs and the light shows and the lasers and stuff beforehand. Um, but actually, I think the atmosphere at the Etihad now is buzzing on European nights in ways that two, three years ago it really wasn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, that probably helps too. Um, and also just um, Pepin and his team focus so much of their energies and their attentions on building up to the Champions League matches. Uh, so... Um, However much we, as as what do they call them, legacy fans, however much we might uh, hate it, um, Pep and his team will have been putting an awful lot more uh, preparation and attention and thought into the game uh, against Leipzig than did on either of the games either side. Um, so all you know, all of these things come together. Um, you don't want to tempt 
fate because you know after however many uh, victories at home in Champions League, you can almost guarantee that you start crowing about that, and the next one will come along and it'll all go horribly wrong. Uh, so you know things are only true until they stop being true in football, and that's a, that's a very good rule to remember and we now um, know but, what the next one is so yeah well quite um so i don't want to tempt fate uh but no we as, as we keep saying in one form or another we are very good at playing football <laughs> however much we dress it up and however many uh, uh complexities and, and fr- uh, frills and, and bells and whistles we put to that yeah the, the bottom line is we are very good at playing football and and it particularly comes out in the champions league yeah as I said on review, my issue with the light show is the electricity bill that is now going to come up <laughs> yeah. draining the national grid. Well, like Rishi Sunak, maybe we could just pay for it to up, be upgraded. <laughs> we've got we've got even more money than his his wife, so <laughs> we can do that. So, uh, Jordan, one other player I've got to mention, of course, Kevin De Bruyne. Uh, boy, did we get the old Kevin De Bruyne back! Uh, how good was he, and how crucial is he going to be for the rest of our season? Yeah, he was fantastic. He looked really sharp um, in a way that I've not really seen too often since the World Cup. He, when on form, is clearly the best midfielder in the world. Mm. And there were just small things, but his passing accuracy um, in previous weeks has been pretty poor. You know, simple passes, poor decision-making, just not coming off. Yeah. Whereas... Pretty much everything he did against Leipzig came off and more often than not, it, it resulted in attacking opportunities for us. So I was really pleased to see him back to his best as well um, because, yeah, with the games that we've got coming up, we are just a much better attacking outfit when he's at his best. And I don't think it's any coincidence that we've seen him return to his best and we've seen us batter a team 7-0. Mm. I don't think that happens when De Bruyne is not on the pitch. You know, you think of our, our big wins at home. At, what jumps to mind for me is like Stoke at home when we beat them 7-2 and De Bruyne has passed to Sané. He just adds that extra element of urgency in the attack and when teams are wounded, he will really slice you open even more. So absolutely delighted to see him back to that level and if he can sustain it then then I think we're in for a good end to the season Can I ask you two guys uh, do you think there's any weight in the theory that Kevin maybe shouldn't be playing more than one game a week at um, the age of 32 or whatever he is now he looks so much better every when he's got time to refresh We can't answer that really you know if Modric is putting it about 37 or whatever he is mm. City science guys, that yeah, they monitored everything, aren't they? They sleep everything. They have orange zones, red zones when they shouldn't play. Possibly, possibly. Often it's, it's not just the physicality, though. It's not just the muscle strength and the rest of it. it it's you know, where your head's at and yeah, yeah, how long that, it takes you to recover. And, well, I think the World Cup, I think, has hit him pretty hard because he wasn't in a good mood about it. And who can blame him when you've got? Martinez as your manager going into it, he probably thought, <laughs> "What's the point of this?" It's <laughs> so going through the motions. Uh, I think psychologically, yeah, I don't think it's like he's knackered, like I felt in the past. Sometimes, I think in his head, yeah, it's been an exhausting season for yeah, him. So I mean, the, probably when, yes. When but when his, when his only two months of the season to go now. Yeah, maybe it becomes less of an issue because you're focused now, aren't you? Everything's yeah. important. There's not a long stretch ahead. 
maybe it doesn't matter now, but yes, he's gonna for however many years he's still at the club, I think he he will have to be managed and dealt with. But that's probably the same for quite a lot of players, to be honest. Unless you're in your mid twenties and lower, you know, it's like you do still have to be used conservatively and the squad has to be used because well, because when he's when he's off form, it's not that he's running slower or less or looks physically unfit or overweight or any of that. It's it's the tiny infinitesimal detail in the 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 killer long ball because he's playing these high tariff, difficult passes all the time. If you get it slightly wrong, then it hits a defender and it all goes horribly wrong. And yeah, if if you get it right, it goes through the eye of the needle. Um, and that's something that's not really about. Yeah, you know, muscle strength and physiological recovery. That's about concentration and focus, and and you know what's going on between the ears. Um, and I think maybe you know, it's, it, just having kids and all that kind of stuff as well. You know, he's 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 a mature, grown up man now, um, and maybe he just needs to take it a slightly different rhythm. Um, yeah. Anyway, sorry, that's just me. Just just, al- just alternatively though, Ali, um, I think De Bruyne is a winner. Yeah, De- yeah. he is an absolute winner. He wants to play in every game. And I think given the Champions League draw, which we'll come on to, um, there is no doubt or could, can possibly be no doubt in the squad that this is where the tough get going. Um, this is where heroes are made. This is where titles are won. If I'm De Bruyne, I do not need any extra motivation. I am not mentally drained. I am ready for the battle. And I think that has to be the the attitude of every player. I don't think, you know, if De Bruyne is left out of a crucial game and we draw it one all, then mm. at this stage of the season, that that could be fatal for our title chances. So mm. I, I, I get what you're saying, but also I don't think he should need a rest at this stage in the season. Yeah. Just for the record, uh, we have won seven 0 against German opposition before. Uh, Schalke and. Kevin De Bruyne was not playing on that occasion. Oh, great, Howard. Thanks very much for that. That just invalidates my whole point. <laughs> was it in the squad, so I assume he was injured. Uh, that that was the night Foden was the youngest, became the youngest player to score for Manchester City in the Champions League. 18 years and 288 days off the bench. So there you go. Lovely. Certainly Roy Sane on the left wing, but we won't talk about that. Yeah, front three that are no longer with us, uh, Sterling, Aguero, Sane. So there you go. So Right. I was going to ask, has this result changed your outlook on how City may do for the rest of the season? But we can't really do that without talking about the draw, which happened two hours ago. Thankfully, there wasn't six hours of preamble for this draw. Uh, Patrick Clivert, though, I did enjoy his 10 minutes uh, explanation of his perfect carbonara sauce, so that was nice. But no, <laughs> they did get to it a bit quicker this time around. Uh, no montages and all that sort of stuff. Can I just say the draw format, I absolutely despise it, doing two rounds at the same time. Don't know if I'm alone in that or... You're not. Oh, good. I assume it's a COVID <laughs> thing, so they don't have to come back to the venue, but hey, mm. you don't need to. I mean, what's the point of having club officials there just to see some balls drawn out? Just do one round. Do the next one in a car park. Yep. Do, get Carabao to do it. They'll do it <laughs> in a supermarket <laughs> or something. They know how to do it properly. I don't, the one show will do it. Yeah, the one show can do it, and fans can come and shake hands with each other. And I can throw something through a TV and smash it to pieces. Uh, 
Yeah, I don't like not having it laid out. It's absolute nonsense, but it is what it is. And we know uh, we had a, a fun debate on our WhatsApp group about where well, you've got to beat the best uh, to win the tournament. And me just going, no, you don't. You absolutely don't. <laughs> if Millwall can get to an FA Cup final without drawing a single Premier League team, then, of course, simple probability if City had got you know, a Milan team and then say Benfica and then maybe even Chelsea, they stand a better chance of winning the tournament than having to go through, say, Bayern, then Real Madrid, then Napoli. That's just simple facts. But hey, you win some, you lose some. Uh, all this talk of uh, easy draws, well, probably about on par, to be honest. Uh, over the last few years, you get some nice draws, you get some tough ones, and this was as bad as it gets just because all the ones you really want to face are all on the other side of the draw. So we'll never probably get the chance to draw Inter, AC Milan uh, or Benfica because, you know, I really fancy Napoli now uh, to get through and there will be an Italian or Portuguese side in the final. So anyway, I've had my boring rant about You've got to beat the best uh, to get through. It is still, you know, it is what it is. And it's exciting. These big games, wow, I never thought, you know, I'd get to see them. It should be interesting. Now, I will just say for starters, let's not assume Real Madrid are getting past Chelsea. I've got a sneaky suspicion that, you know, I find that Chelsea are coming into form. And obviously they've got the players there. They've bought the players that they can do some damage. I'd say a much worse Chelsea side has won this tournament, but hey, we will see. It's cup football. So Jordan, Bayern, and then Chelsea or Real Madrid. What's your thoughts? Disappointed or excited or both or just, well, it is what it is, bring it on. <laughs> yeah, I, I pretty much agree with, with what you said, Howard. I, I get why people say you've got to be the best. Uh, you've got to be the best to be the best. And I, I think it's more consolatory. Um than, than anything else because it is the toughest draw imaginable. Um, Bayern, thankfully, are not totally running away with the Bundesliga this season. They are two points clear ahead of Borussia Dortmund. Same games played, I believe. So they will have games to play either side like we do, which actually matter. But they've just got some some incredible players. I, I tweeted after their second leg against Paris Saint-Germain is... Bayern's depth is what people think City's depth is. You know, they brought off the bench Mane, Sané and Cancelo, who we very kindly loaned them. Um, Two good players there. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. No one, (laughs) make up your own mind what the joke is I'm making there. (laughs) But they've got some outstanding talent in their team. Jamal Musiala um, is so good, so good. And they've, they've got, um, but not the performances to match, I would say. Yeah, I mean, he didn't have a great World Cup. But no, I don't the, mean him. I mean the squad. Yeah, potentially. But, you know, in a knockout tournament, they're not a team you want to face. I mean, just going around their other players as well, Alfonso Davis. if you're not familiar with him, he's what's known as in footballing circles as a left back. And um, it, he, he's a really good one Sorry, as well. Could you explain that to me? <laughs> it's like, it's like uh, white dog poo, Ali. We used to have them in the 1980s. Yeah, um, he's, he's brilliant. I, I'd kill for someone like him at City. Um, even their backup goalkeeper, because Neuer's out injured, Jan Sommer, is, yeah. is, a, is a fantastic goalkeeper. Upa Meccano, Pavard, Kimmich, Thomas Muller's still doing bits. 
Uh, even Eric Maxim Chupemoting, who is considered a bit of a meme because he played for Stoke, has scored 18 goals in the Bundesliga this season, I believe. So, well, if you could do it at Stoke on a wet Tuesday, exactly, <laughs> you could do it by Munich. So. so, so yeah, it's a super tough draw. Um, and then we don't really need to talk too much about Real Madrid because we all know what they're capable of in the competition. And then if we get there, likely, likely Napoli. But as you said, Howard, it's about probabilities. And I would have preferred to face one of the Milan sides or Benfica just because the chances of us getting through are, are greater. And also it takes a bit of strain off the players. But as I've already said, I think if you're in that squad, that City squad, and you're looking at your fixtures for the rest of the season, there's no complacency now. Like you know, mm. the quality of the teams that you're going to be facing, the levels have to be so high. There's no room for error in either competition, um, and I hope it sort of gets the players up for it. You know, you're about to be playing some of the the best teams in the world, and make no mistake, if we do not win either competition, the wider narrative will be that City have failed this season, even if they win the league, and that's not how we'll feel. But if City don't win the Champions League this season it will be branded a failure. So I think it's backs against the wall time. Get up for it. We've got to play some of the best teams in the world. As you said, we should be excited about it. We really should because playing these teams 15 years ago wasn't a possibility. Um, but yeah, no, make no mistake. It, it's really, really tough. It's, it's the toughest draw we could have got. Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, but, you know, I'm a devil's advocate here. I've often said met most of the big teams in Europe have had strange seasons. The City have been up and down by their high standards. PSG have been a bit shambolic at times. They'll still win the league. Bayern have not had it comfortably. Uh, Real Madrid have not had it comfortably and you know, are way behind in the league. I think they pl- I think it's El Clasico this weekend, is it not? Or is it a cup game? I don't know. Playing each other anyway. Yeah, yeah. The one side that's kind of flawless is Napoli. So I didn't really want to face them either. So, yeah, there was plenty to... I expected there was going to be one of the toughest games across those two rounds. However, just to get... Yeah, but I thought it would have been nice if we'd got one of Milan teams or Benfica would have been a bit easier than just getting... Bayern Munich, but as I say, we may get past Munich and have Chelsea in the semi-final. It might not be Real Madrid. And I watched Real Madrid against Liverpool, and it, I mean, obviously, it, such a strange uh, game at Anfield, and they scored five without reply. It's just amazing. And yet, I, I have no idea how we only won the home leg last season by one goal, and I have no idea how we threw it away in the second leg either in injury time. We could absolutely beat Madrid. I've no two ways about that. And Chelsea, obviously. And Bayern Munich, I still think it's a 50-50. So there's a lot of flaws in teams, is what I'm saying this season. Napoli scared me as much as Bayern Munich or Madrid, I think. So with that in mind, are you going into this feeling confident and bullshit? Or you know, did you just want to get Benfica first before it got really tricky or into Milan or you know, whoever? Like you, I would much rather have the easier draw every time. Um, and as I said on, a, on our WhatsApp this morning, uh, whoever we have been paying to heat up the balls for uh, all cup competition draws over the last five years needs to get taken out and shot because they're not doing their job. Um, but uh, for all that, uh, I think the, the one... <laughs> 
Okay, I'll, I'll give the downside first. The 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 um the one thing I'm really disappointed about is that we play Bayern at home first and away second. Mm. I think that's a that's a big factor, and I really wish it was the other way around. Although to be fair, the semi final would be the other way. So yeah, swings and roundabouts. Um, and the other silver lining I think is that um if we are to play Napoli at some point over the next uh three rounds of this competition i would much rather it was in the final in a, a one off game uh with all the pressure on it when i don't have they ever been to a champions league final before uh certainly never won it before um and uh i th- you know we've been there and i think we would be a bit more confident um taking them on over one leg in a final uh than over the two uh so you know that's the only um, silver lining to all of it, um, but ultimately, I'm just really looking forward to it. I, I, I want to enjoy it, and I always say at this stage, uh, what I tell myself as we're going into these quarterfinals and semifinals and finals is just remember to enjoy it because this is where we want to be. And uh, if uh, you know, if we're unhappy about having to play Bayern Munich in a quarterfinal of the Champions League, um, just think how Tottenham feel right now. <laughs> You know, uh, first world problems, and and Liverpool exactly. Uh, So you know that um, this is what we want. This is why we're here. This is what it's all about. And bring it on! It will be great. Um, And I I, I do think if it all comes, if it all plans out as we hope and think it might, uh, then that City v Napoli final would be an absolutely cracking game of football. It will be mouth watering. Even whether or not you're in neutral, it will be it will be a a cracking game. I I don't care about narratives anymore, but. (laughs) <laughs> I really don't. No, I don't. It's like Pep. Yeah, you know, we went out. We didn't win it last season. I'm not pointing out Pep. I mean, we should have won against Madrid over those two legs. I just players. That was on players basically. It was on a pretty stupid penalty decision. You know, it's like we should have been three nil up against four nil up against them in the first half of the first leg. It's not all on Pep. Yeah, and I do. I do still hold a grudge for not picking a central defensive midfielder against Chelsea. Uh, no, two, no, three this, years ago. But I'm not saying that, every single campaign. <laughs> we've gone out twice on away goals. You know, where the opposition hasn't scored more goals than us over the two legs. So combination of bad luck, combination of bad luck, and our players just not delivering through to the final whistle um, and that's absolutely not on Pep but yeah I, I am still nursing a grudge but, about the Chelsea game <laughs> No but I think the main reason that I want an easy draw now is you know it really would help despite not caring about narratives anymore we need to get that first Champions League and we obviously sheer, it's just numbers uh, yeah, it's not about emotion or being a fan or what I want to say it's just sheer probability the easier to draw then the easier more likely it is to help us get over the line the first time and you know so, but it is what it is, and it should be, yeah, cracking two games. And you're right, I'd rather have been away first, but yeah, that's just who knows, it might work in our favour. So, we will see. So, yeah, uh, Jordan, do you think Chelsea could put Madrid out? Yeah, um, I don't see why not. Um, as you said, they're not imperious and they've not done particularly well in La Liga this season. It sort of depends on whether Chelsea can continue this form because as much as they've had an upturn prior to their upturn, they'd won two Premier League games in the last 15. So they're still a long way off what I would consider at being at the best. And it'll be a monumental task for them to beat Madrid, but they've done it in the past and they actually beat Madrid on the way to beating us in the final. So I don't see why not. But I'd still back Real Madrid in this competition. Like 
and the quality that they've got and the balance in their team just seems spot on as well. You know, built for Champions League football. So it'll be an interesting game to watch. I think, you know, if you're looking at the Champions League draw as a neutral, um, you're looking at some of those games and it's it's mouthwatering. Yeah. Anyway, just for the noisy neighbours, just to repeat the Champions League anthem. Uh, <laughs> they are the best teams. They are the best teams. <laughs> the main event, the master, the best, the great teams. So... No easy draws in this competition. <laughs> <laughs> it's a big meeting. It's a great sporting event, the main event. So <laughs> how can you complain about that? It's uh, it's better than being in the Europa League. That's all I will say. Yeah. Uh, right, it's almost uh, the end of part one. Just very quickly, got to mention a new contract for Julian Alvarez. Uh, Ali, how pleased are you to, to see him sign up, to see his excitement, uh, I've seen stupid rumours already going around that it might be loaned out or... <laughs> I think the pressure on is to play him is because he's won the World Cup, of course, not just the yeah. fact he's a cracking player. Uh, but you're really confident that he's got a big part to play in this in this team in the coming years. I mean, I'm I'm hugely relieved that he signed a new contract and, and was looking so happy and everybody's so positive about yeah. it because I did have a nagging suspicion that somebody, whether it was a, a Barca or a PSG or something, was going to come swooping in for him, um, if only because he is a, a um, you know, high-profile potential shirt seller. Uh, and after his World Cup performances, obviously he's on everyone's radar. Um, so we've got him and, and the fact that we've got something more like Golden handshake, uh, golden handcuffs, or whatever you want to call them on him. Uh, so much the better. Um, I think his time absolutely will come. We haven't quite worked out what his, um, what his exact role is in a, a squad or team that also includes Erling Haaland. Um, I think he is, he needs to be more than just the guy that comes on in 70 minutes when, uh, when we're 4-0 up and Haaland needs a break. Uh, he's got so much more to offer than that. Mm. Um, and yeah, I, I so wish he'd uh scored the um the, the goal last week when he had that beautiful turn and then blazed it over the bar. Um because that was the kind that was the kind of moment when he arrived that he was putting away every time. Um and he does he I mean his his goal scoring record is, is really good already. Um but I hope we can find more than just kind of a, a um a good bench warmer role for him because uh, he, he's a level above that um, but I think Pep hasn't quite worked out the formation so we play a uh, kind of some sort of mm. four four two or four two four or whatever it might be uh, with him alongside because uh, I think that's you know where his role might ultimately be um, but no he I mean he's a cracking player and we're so glad to have him um, and he is still young and he is still learning and you know what the future might hold and how we can still develop as a player is a, a, a tantalizing prospect yeah Jordan I think that's key there's no rush with him really it shows that he's not one to kick up a fuss and yeah because he's won the World Cup he's not gonna say why am I not in the team all the time it's He's come a long way very quickly, and I think he realises that he will get his chance at City if he's good enough, which we all think he is good enough. Uh, there's no reason to panic or have to put him in the side. This new new contract shows that, that he's here to stay, and we can just be patient about it. Yeah, um, I am relieved, though, because there yeah. were rumours saying that... Um, because he's won the World Cup and he's developed quickly, that now he all of a sudden feels like he, he deserves more playing time. And, you know, you don't know how quickly uh, players are going to settle in Manchester and adapt. So I, I was slightly concerned, but 
as you said, it, it's reassuring that he's, he's here to stay. And as Ali said, I think it's just a case of finding his best role in the side. Uh, I really liked seeing that turn against Crystal Palace because it's sort of a reminder of his skill. Hmm. I, I think generally, you know, he, he's bagged a few goals, but we've not seen anything extraordinary from him so far. I think there's a lot more to come. And yes, he is young, but he's he's older than Haaland. He's older than Foden. Um, he's not he's not a teenager so I'd like to see him make a bit more of an impact when given the chance I think sometimes he can go a little bit missing in games but as I said it takes a, t- a while to adapt to to City to, to the City and and to Manchester City and getting used to Guardiola's um, demands so I, I'm very happy that he's committed his future to us and it's just about finding that right role for him and giving him a bit more freedom to to play his natural game Okay, it's time to look forward. Uh, that's the end of part one. Uh, part two, I I spoke yesterday to Burnley fan John uh, about the Clarets, Vinny and more, and this is what he had to say. I'm delighted to be joined by Burnley fan John Warburton. Uh, good afternoon, John. How are you doing? Good afternoon, Howard. I'm, uh, I'm sound. How are you today? Yeah, not bad, not bad. I keep thinking it's Friday for some reason. Uh, <laughs> those listening to this, we are not recording on the Friday, but the Thursday. But yeah, looking forward to the weekend and uh, the FA Cup. I assume, uh, of course, you won again, Burnley, against Hull on Wednesday night. Uh, was it a good performance as per usual? Yeah, it was. I mean, it started a bit... I don't, I don't know what to say. I want to say a bit lethargic. It yeah. was almost like Hull were trying to press us quite a lot but once we got into the rhythm of things yeah no it was famous we found our feet quite quickly it was um it's a bit strange when you're annoyed that you didn't keep a clean sheet whereas like <laughs> last year you were just annoyed that you know yeah you you didn't get beat 6-0 <laughs> um yeah. if you know what i mean but yeah well let's jump into it i mean obviously i'm uh i really wanted to have this chat and uh you'll be happy to have a chat considering the season you've had uh I tried to find the pre-season odds for uh, promotion in the championship. I think you were fifth or sixth favourites for promotion. Uh, now you're obviously, I don't know, <laughs> 19 points clear of third place. Uh, 37, so nine games to go, uh, unless my maths is out. Uh, could you ever have envisaged the season going this well? Well, it's funny you mention um, betting odds because I've just moved into a new place. I'll say just probably about two months ago now properly start of the year and um, I, knew, I remember putting a bet on but I couldn't remember the exact odds and I lost the slip and I thought oh it's just gone gone to the ages now <laughs> and then I was looking through some uh, records that I bought and just put in a bag and didn't ever get a chance to play and I found the slip and um, us to go up as champions was 12 to 1 wow. um, and us to go up just be promoted so I think that might be top two or even top six via the playoffs. Yeah, that was that was six to one. So I put I put both of them on. But yeah, I mean we were very like twelve to one as champions. I think that was quite bad odds. I think I saw it as like high as like sixteen to one. Did you really? What was the reason for that? Was it just the squad as a whole, the competition of the championship, or I think as it was more the fact. We lost pretty much everything. We lost like the spine of the team. We lost Pope. Obviously, we lost Daesh. We didn't have a manager when I put that on. Yeah, we, we lost Pope, Tarks. Uh, Westwood was 
still technically a Burnley player, but as it panned out, he never played for us again. Uh, Vidra was one. Vidra would have been a fantastic player for us in the Championship, I think. Um, he would have really suited the style. and I, I'm, it, It's kind of... It, he obviously just lost faith with Burnley as a whole, I think. Um, so, yeah, I think basically a, a lot of people kind of didn't expect us to come back up the way we did. So what was the general view of uh, the company's appointment at the time it happened? Were, you, were fans generally happy or was it just a wait and see? Mate? I think it was just a wait and see. I was quite ambivalent towards it, really. I was like, I just didn't want like a Chris Wilder or someone, you know, yeah. somebody basically just was a Sean Dyche type two part, you know, because um, when I, when I read into, obviously I knew about Vincent company, like who doesn't, but when I read into like his exploits in Belgium, it didn't really set the world on fire. Wow. I mean, we, we said that on a, <laughs> we said that on a podcast last week, I think just in passing and uh, an Andalek fan got in touch to say we were completely wrong and that the, uh, the club was in a pretty bad way when he took uh, over. Uh, oh, um, yeah. So we got a long thread on Twitter about how actually he did a good job there. But yeah, that's how it appeared on the surface, wasn't it? So. I mean, yeah, I mean, I like, I mean, I know a bit more about uh, that week now just yeah. because of how it's panned out and the players were bought. But at the time, I was like, oh, Anderlecht, I've seen them in the Champions League. And obviously, I knew yeah. Stephen Defoe played for them in the past. And you just kind of expect them to be like winning the league but like I said I didn't really know anything so at the time I was like oh you know he's not really won the league with Anderlecht so can't be that good but I was hopeful I mean I I thought the Man City connection would probably do us a lot of favours and he did in getting Taylor Howard Bellis which mm. the start of the season was probably our best player I would say or Murich as well very div- div- you know splits the opinion of Burnley players but I love him too but I mean I was, I was cautiously optimistic when company signed, I will say. Wait, you actually were you sad to see Dash go? Did you feel it was the end time, basically, uh, for the end of an era? I, I think I'm very much on my own in this respect, or maybe like a lot of Burnley fans don't like to say it, but he should have gone sooner. Right. He really should, like if you reset the season, like okay, so say next season it's February and you've won twice. Do you think Pep Guardiola would still be in a job? <laughs> uh, well, I think he runs the club now, so yeah, he probably would. Be, yeah. <laughs> I, th- I think I think Tixi would no, be like knocking I, on I the see, door. I see like, where you're no. getting at. Yeah, no, he wouldn't in normal circumstances. No, and it was. I think a lot of people forget last year the amount of games that we had in hand. I think we had four games in hand, twelve points to play for. Yeah, I just blew them all. After after Dyche had left, but I mean, I don't know. Like it, you were watching it, and it was like, it was like, Pope gets it, hoofs it long, loses it. We're on the back foot. They shoot either score. Pope saves it, restart, and that was like ninety minutes. Yeah, and it was just like, I mean, obviously you can't knock him for what he did, and I love him to pieces, and I and I, I think he will keep Everton up on a wing and a prayer. Yeah. Um. But it was time for a part in other ways. I do wish he'd left on his own terms, though. I yeah. think I think if he'd have just bowed out, I don't know, it might have been a bit... I don't know, it just seemed like... Because obviously he leaves, there's no kind of farewell. It's just kind of a bit... It's just like a bad breakup, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, 
enough dice talk then. Let's talk Vincent <laughs> Company. Uh, one obvious question. What's he done? <laughs> What's he done to transform this team to make it into an absolutely unstoppable winning machine? I think it's just is ingrained in them. Hold the ball, just keep the ball. Yeah. Like even if we pass it backwards, just keep keep the ball. Like I go back to what I said earlier. Like when it was Pope and Pope launches it forward, you, you're basically losing possession every time you got a goal kick. Yeah. But um, I mean, the seeds were there last year. Like as soon as Dice left, we got Pope playing it out to Taylor Artakowski and. I think, to answer your question, I think companies basically just said, we keep the ball and we make them chase the ball because no player runs as fast as the ball and if you're moving it around too quick for them to get near you, um, then yeah, that, that's. I, I think he's just ingrained how important keeping possession is. I think the- our average possession this year is like 68%. Wow. I wonder where he got that idea from of possession. I Mark Hughes. <laughs> Mark, yeah. <laughs> Perhaps, yeah. <laughs> uh, I was asking the most obvious question of all, perhaps. So the style must be a million miles away. Yeah, apart from the possession itself, the playing style is a million miles away from Daesh's football. Oh, yeah, it's night, night and day. Yeah, it's kits aside. I think if you showed someone a YouTube video from like a year ago and a YouTube video from last night, they they look like the they're the same in name only. Hmm. I mean the work rate the work rate is the same, like high work like don't ever stop running. Hmm. Don't ever give them an inch, don't ever, you know, give up basically. Which I think is kind of what we were lacking last year. But yeah, to to speak to the future, I think that's the only similarity, I think a work rate and a kind of don't give up attitude. Well, that's the, 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 the game against Rotherham would be a good example of that. I don't know if you saw it. No. Absolutely fantastic. Um, we got 1-0 up, then we're losing, then we're losing 2-1 in like, going into like the 90th minute. And actually, it's yes. Two all, I do know the game we, actually, yes. Yeah, and then we end up winning yeah. in like the 100th minute, yeah. 100th and 2nd minute. Um, and yeah, I think it's just like that. You know, it, it's not over till the whistle goes. Just keep fighting. I mean, there's been others where we've scored quite a lot of like last minute goals that have been fantastic. Um, but I think yeah, I think that's like a dive carry on is just the kind of never give up attitude. Has he ingrained himself into the club and the town itself as well? Because I imagine um, he's that sort of person who yeah. A student of the game, student of where he is, who's you know, he was always a diplomat off the pitch for City, our biggest captain in a way, our biggest spokesperson as well. So, yeah. um, yeah, I mean, um, I don't know, I can't I, when you say ingrained, what, what, what do you, I, I can, does he talk much about the club and its history? And yeah, you know, or is he just, is he always just talking about the, the matches itself? It's like. Sometimes you just know that man just come in and they're doing the job, and sometimes you, you feel that they are part of the you know the club itself, and that they've thrown themselves into it hundred percent. Um, I don't see it as like I don't think he sees it as like kind of a stepping stone to a bigger club. I think yeah. he's here with us for a long, well, for a project, whether that's 
three, four, five years. Only time will, the results will tell. And I think he, yeah, he seems like he does love the club, and he seems like I, I don't know really. I think that's a hard question to answer. <laughs> maybe if I lived in Burnley or still lived in the Northwest, yeah, I could maybe answer it a bit more. But I think, well, does it matter to you as a fan, or do you just you want a manager who's it gets you results, really, don't you? So, I think it's always nice when a manager and players identify with the club and try and like bring. I don't know, like what's the word I'm trying to look for? Like you know, kind of engage. Yeah. I suppose they want to engage with the fans, and I'd say quite a lot of our players have done that. Maybe not so much company himself, but I've seen quite a lot of. Ian Matson like did a really lovely thing over over Christmas where he kind of bought everyone's Christmas bought like twenty people's Christmas shopping or something like that. And he's like a he's like a lone player. Like he's kind of he could just go at the end of the season and mm. you know. So I mean maybe that trickles down from the top that, you know, he's saying you you're ambassadors for this club and this town, so you know, give something back. I'm sure like just going off what I know of him as a person and interviews in the past when he was at City, like, I feel like he's a very kind of humble, well-spoken person. So yeah. maybe like he obviously has some affection for the town and the people of, who support the club. You wouldn't want to cross him, would you? I'm sure you've seen that video of him, haven't you, in the dressing room? Uh, oh, yeah, and Alex. Yeah. It's well, so yeah. funny because like, Cullen's like, I think Cullen's like sat immediately in front of him mm. and I, was that a loss or is that giving up like a draw in like the last minute or something? I, I don't know. It wasn't happy, I'll tell you that. So, uh, yeah, I'm, not I sure, mean, um, I'm not sure if it was half time or after a match, uh, but yeah. That's, it's funny because like, he's quite. Josh Cullen into who's uh, was it? Yeah. Andalect, yeah. Yeah, former West Ham player. Yeah. Fantastic player. Um, very underrated, I would say, in terms of like. I didn't think much of him until I actually went to my first game of the season and. A weird comparison in my mind is I went to watch City and Spurs at Spurs' ground last year. I think they actually lost, but before that, I never really rated Nathan Ake. And then, like, you see, like, all the stuff they do off the ball that isn't really focused on on a match. And I think Cullen is like that. He kind of does the work that isn't maybe really picked up on a TV programme. But, yeah, I think... um, Josh Cullen's been a great player, really underrated, unsung. Everyone else is kind of getting the plaudits, but him and some of our other midfielders are doing all the legwork. Uh, before we look at the match, uh, what's this transfer embargo all about? Um, I think, essentially, we didn't file our accounts on time, so the automatic uh, penalty is a transfer embargo. Ah, so. Right. Um, I mean, I think it's a non-story, to be honest with you. I think the club could have probably got away with not even reporting it because mm. as soon as we file our reports, it will get lifted immediately. Right. Um, although there is, I don't know if you, you're across like Twitter where it seems like everyone thinks Burnley are buying the league despite the fact we've spent half of what we got in transfer funds yeah. and are probably, you know, one of the, I don't know, like, I think I read somewhere the other day that it wasn't like Stoke spent f- 56 million and finished 14th. 
something that we, we've spent less than what we got in transfer funds. But yeah. Yeah, the, uh, the whole we've got a transfer bag I know he's not doing very well for the, the you know, the people who seem to think we're the Man City of the Championship. <laughs> that, maybe that's why you're trying to copy us by getting uh, yourself banned from competitions and fine. Yeah, yeah. UEFA, yeah. But if you're going to have a transfer embargo, it's not a bad time to have it in March, is it? So I, was gonna, I mean, that's exactly... If it was an actual punishment, they'd have yeah. given it to us in December... It's just a yeah, it's just a place mark in it until you sort your yeah, find a new yeah. auditor or whatever. Uh, Saturday's match then a quarter to six, I think. Uh, you looking forward to this one? I am, yeah, definitely. Um, I I think it like we got a one in a hundred chance of getting anything out of it, but that's the that's that's it, isn't it? I mean, all it takes is just one loose back pass and one mistake, and you know. In reality, we'll probably lose like four 0 but you know, it's nice to nice to dream. Well, I don't know what side Pepper put out, but I hope it's a strong one. But that's the other thing. I'm thinking Pep might do some of his lunacy and yeah. play Rico Lewis up front or something. Or <laughs> you know, um, but I'm I, not I, laughing because he might actually do. With <laughs> um, uh, uh, with company himself, does I mean I say you're 19 points out of third. You've pretty much won the league. Sheffield United could overtake you, but it's not very likely, let's be honest. The league's done. As far as I can see, there's zero chance or zero reason that Vincent Company wouldn't play a stronger side. Do you agree with that? I would say it's pretty much wrapped up, but until it's mathematically assured, I do think anything can happen. So I think it is nice to dream about the FA Cup, Mm. but... I'd rather have 38 FA Cups next year, if yeah. I'm being honest. Um, but I'd I mean, to go to Wembley though, so that's true. I'd love to go to Wembley again. Um, I think I don't know. I, I think he puts a strong team out. I think he will definitely put a strong team out, and I think he will go for it. But if if there's a gun to my head and it's like, would you risk? Even the slightest chance of going up automatically for this, I'd say, I'd say no. It's not a risk. Come on, <laughs> <laughs> nineteen points. Well, yeah, unless uh, every single member of your team got injured during the match, I'd say it's not really a risk. I mean, as a fan, do you want? Wait, let's say you were in charge. Would you put the stronger side out? As a, you know, as a fan, do you want, oh, yeah, yeah, do you want to see company do it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. but. Um, yeah, I definitely would put the strongest team available out. Because as well, we've got the international break immediately after. Yeah. Uh, so how do you think company will approach the match? Is he flexible as a manager? Uh, do you think he'll play dead in any set? Yeah, will you sit deep and have two banks of uh, four or five? Or do you think he'll just play his normal game and take on City? I think he'll probably try and absorb City's attacking, you know, play. And then we've got this kind of really, it sounds basic on paper, but when Murich can put like ping long balls through to our forwards, if the forwards get on the end of them, a lot of the time it can end up in like a one-on-one. Mm. Like Teller's scored probably like at least five of his 16, 17 goals just from doing that. Um but I don't know how, how do you think City will play, approach it. Just absolutely go for it, like the Leipzig match. No, there's, 
It's it's weird. I, honestly, I don't. That's my concern in a way. Pep's Pep's messed up semi-finals before because of our schedule. There's no reason to do it for this one because you say we've got a fully fit squad. Mm-hmm. There's an international break coming up. There's no more league games until in March for City. There's no more games, is there? And I don't know when the next round of the Champions League is. So I'd want him to go strong, but I have no idea if he will. And this is where City can come unstuck is when you put out they put out a side that's just completely different to what's gone before. All the rhythm can go. Uh, the Champions League, we're unbeaten at home in five years, I think, in the Champions League. It's a completely different prospect. Whereas, you know, we've lost at home to Brentford in the league this season. We've drawn home to Everton. FA Cup, we've beaten Arsenal and Chelsea, but they were diff- you know, both managers were playing some different players. So how he will approach it, I don't know. Obviously, playing style-wise, yeah. It's going to be hard for Burnley to dominate the ball this time around. So yeah, that's what I mean about the kind of absorption. Yeah. I think is a better a better approach. If you I'll, do, you I'll have pace on the counter attack because that is always an Achilles' heel for City, or it's always really. a weapon in it. You know, for many teams, to be honest. I don't know, Walker's quite rapid, isn't he, on his day? Yeah, but still, if opposition team, you know, we we have a high line. Uh, right, Walker, right, right. Walker's on the naughty step as well. So again. I don't oh. know if he'll play, so... Um, yeah. I would say, yeah, we do have pace. Nathan Teller, rapid. Um, Sorori, quite rapid. I mean, yeah, Sorori is quite rapid too. Although Sorori's, like final ball in the past few weeks has been quite lacking, I would say. Hmm. Um, his crosses seem to go into... I don't know, it's almost like they go into danger areas, but there's no Burnley player anticipating where the ball's going. Um Vitinho, one of our fullbacks, his crossings come on quite a lot, I think, in recent weeks, but he hasn't really got a lot of pace. Um, so, yeah, I think Nathan Teller's going to be the, the danger man I would look out for. Okay. Uh, any, any of the players that City fans should look out for? You know, I guess, I mean, so far, clear at the top table, you could pick most of the squad have been there, uh, they've played well this season, have they not? So. Um, I would say the teller obviously wants to look yeah. out for um, Jay Rodriguez is back in training uh, but it might be a bit too much too soon to just throw him on against City um, Benton another one of our wingers he came back last night um, from injury which was nice seeing him um, scored to me a point of goals for us this year Jordan Bayer is a fantastic player I don't know if you're familiar with him he's on loan from a um, Borussia Mönchengladbach. Okay. Um, but absolutely fantastic for someone who's 21, 22. He's 22. Yeah. Um, does these kind of, you'll you'll hopefully see, like, he does these kind of runs where, kind of like, I don't know who's a good comparison, but, like, you basically, like, run out from centre-back to midfield, and every week he seems to try another five feet forward. Like, <laughs> me and my dad think that one day he's going to literally run the entire yeah. length of the pitch and score. Just but, getting more and more, amb- slightly getting more and more ambitious with every week. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like he did it last night. Um, he got past the, well, past the halfway line um, and then he threaded a ball out to um, Zorori, but I don't think Zorori anticipated the ball. Um, but yeah, he, he's good. Uh, really good defender too. Um Ekdal, who we absolutely signed, I think, because Taylor Howard Bellis got injured. He's he's been fantastic. He 
one mistake at the weekend, uh, but since playing regularly from January, that's the only mistake I can I can think of. The our, our defense is quite solid now. Well, should be a cracking match. Uh, I say under the lights. It will be under the lights by the end of it. I yeah. uh, don't know how many f- tickets you get, but it must be like 7,000 or something, that top two. Uh, 7,800, I believe. Yeah. And we've, we sold them all. I, yeah, I'm not surprised. <laughs> it should be a great atmosphere. I always ask, final question, what's your score prediction for the match? Penalties. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I don't want to hear that. <laughs> no, I um, I get go. nervous with pre-season penalty shootouts, so I don't I'm going to go, go 2-1 Burnley. That's it. And I'm going to say Mares scores for City and two from Nathan Tillon. Fair enough. I like your bolshiness. I'm going to go, <laughs> go 3-1 City, but as I say, who knows... What Pep will be doing for this match, but I, I think that's the key thing. If he just kind of does some of the, you know, when he's like, it's almost like his mind goes walkabout, and he'll just like, he'll play Bernardo Silva at centre back or something. Mm. Well, left I mean, back is a definite yeah. possibility. Yeah. <laughs> How do you think that's been? It worked a couple of games, but it's not really a long term. Just not playing any fullbacks, I don't think, is a long term solution <laughs> to. Uh, uh, for City uh, is it depends who you're playing you know a dangerous player on the right he's Bernardo Silva's not used to that and it probably doesn't help to move players around it either but City's formation is so fluid that it's not really it's not it's not like the old days where you had a 4-4-2 it's like players move all over the place he moves into midfield players cover so yeah. it can it can hurt your brain just thinking about it but it could be an option. I would hope he'd play the stronger side. I don't, we've got a fully fit squad. I see no reason not to, but we will see. Yeah, I mean, there was, there, was no, there was no injuries against Leipzig, was there? So. No, not that I know of until, unless the uh, obviously the Friday press conferences tells us different. But as far as I know, yeah, he's got it's a small squad. Cities, you know, he likes a tight squad, but he's got plenty of options there. So we will see. Do you think uh, who's like the backup goalie after Edison? Uh, Ortega, so. So he's not going to get He will yeah. play, yeah. Uh, he will absolutely play. He's a very, oh, I'm not tempted for it. He's a, he's a better shot stopper than Edison is. Uh, but not really. Oh, yeah. Uh, but Edison is obviously, his distribution uh, with his feet is just essential to how City play. But Ortega's not bad on that. I was about to say, what's his either. distribution? Oh, so his distribution's okay too. Oh, it's not Edison levels, but no one's is now. But no, it's fine, yeah. So he's a very good backup. So yeah, he, he's been playing in cup games, so I would expect him to play as well. Uh, but the outfield 10, I would hope would be strong, but who knows? Who knows? Until that team sheet comes out, I don't know. So anyway, time has beaten us. Uh, John, thank you very much for taking the time out to speak to us. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no worries. And uh, yeah, I... Uh I'm looking forward to Saturday. Yes, yeah, it'll be a cracking match. I'm glad it's not on the early Saturday or Friday evening uh, slot. It's a, a good time to play a football match as well. So, yeah. And as always, after this weekend, all the rest of the rest of the season, you are going to the Premier League. So uh, enjoy <laughs> enjoy your time back there. And uh, ho- yeah, hopefully we'll get to speak again uh, when you're back in the Premier League. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I'd love to come back on.
All right. Thanks very much again. Uh, right, we'll go back to the panel as we discuss the weekend FA Cup course of final match. Uh, right. Thanks again, John. So, Burnley, under the lights, Saturday evening. Wembley awaits. Ali, I guess the obvious starting point must be their manager. I forget his name. Uh, <laughs> Vincent Company. Will this be emotional for you? Is it a distraction to the game itself? Do you care? Uh, <laughs> or oh do you God, think it's yeah. going to be a good chance to, to size him <laughs> up as a future City manager? Uh, what's your thoughts on him coming uh, back to the Etihad? Okay, taking those in order, is this emotional for me? Uh, yes, enormously. I was I was so delighted when this draw came out. It's exactly the one I wanted. Um, I would been I would been hoping all season that we would get this draw sometime around this stage of of the FA Cup or equivalent. Um, and I, I, from the moment it came out, I've been buzzing for it. Um, I feel uh, I'm aware that Vinny left really quickly and it was a bit like he was like he'd died suddenly or something he was, he was wrenched away from us unexpectedly uh and we never got the chance to do the proper yaya type farewell uh we never had the chance to properly say thank you and and say goodbye and uh for his first you know competitive return uh it's just so exciting um but also uh, the job he has done at Burnley is just remarkable. It is phenomenal. And I'm talking not only about the results that he's produced in the championship. I mean, he's, uh, they're averaging more than two points a, a match, I think. So he's, he's up something like 74 from 37 or round about that in the, in the championship table at the moment. Um, which is incredibly unusual. It's such a competitive league, and even at the top, it's really unusual for somebody to build up, a team to build up the kind of lead that Burnley have done. Um, but the style they have done it in, and from where he was taking them from, you know, what what that Burnley t- team and, and squad and club had become under Sean mm-hmm. Dyche. Uh, and as John said, they lost the spine as well. The yeah, yeah, totally. Um, you know, lost so many players and, mm-hmm. and had to begin again almost from scratch. Um, what Vinny has done there is absolutely incredible. And they're playing really beautiful, attractive, exciting football as well. They, you can see quite a lot of uh, Pep Guardiola influences in there. The way their back four suddenly turns into a back three when they're in possession and those kind of things. Um, and it, it, it's a test for us. It's a competitive game. It's one that we should win, I think, reasonably comfortable. We'll come back to that. Um, but it's, it's by no means a gimme. Um, and just, you know, it, it's everything you could possibly want from, you know, the, the latter stages of, of an FA Cup tie. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to the game. I'm buzzing about it. I, I, uh, what we've got 20, 27 hours ago till, till kickoff. And I am counting down every minute. Yeah, I see. I mean, they're even trying to mimic City by getting a transfer embargo. So it's pathetic. <laughs> yeah, pathetic, really. Grow up. <laughs> no, we've not even had an embargo. Well, not yet, anyway. Uh, <laughs> shush, shush. <laughs> the day is young. <laughs> uh, just before before we talk City, Alec, there's no reason, is there? You know, I asked John this, and I can't see a reason. There's no reason for a company to play a weakened side. They're going oh. up. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, no, this this will be absolutely his top priority now. I mean, even if uh, even if it didn't have all the the backstory and the baggage of of uh, company's return to the Etihad, uh, he would still want to play his strongest team and 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 win the game, of course, because he's now within touching side touching distance of a of a uh, date at Wembley. Mm. Um, so yeah, no, I, I actually when when I saw on the agenda, you know. Um, 
no reason to play a weak inside. I assumed you were talking about us, not no, them. No. <laughs> the same applies, but in, in his case, absolutely, definitely not. No, we will we will see the best of Burnley tomorrow. I have no doubt yep. about that at all. It applies to both, but I have yeah, mm. I have more doubts about City, but we'll come to that. So, uh, Jordan, how important is the FA Cup to you now, right now in this moment, in this season? My, my fear now is that... Uh, if we get through this, we see another weekend side in the Champions League. If you look at how the the Bayern Munich uh, fixtures will sit, but is this a big game for you? Are you absolutely desperate for City to go through? You know, I just want to win every game. Yeah. Like it's, it's a cliche, but you don't want to go into any game. Like I've seen a few City fans actually on Twitter say that they'd rather go out of competitions, but you you obviously want to win every game. It's it's no surprise for you to hear though that. For me, it's a uh, it's bottom of the list of priorities. Let's be honest, we'd much rather win the Premier League and the Champions League than the FA Cup. But we might be in a situation where we don't get either of those trophies. And you'd have to say, at this current stage, the FA Cup is our best chance of silverware this season. Probability. Yeah, probability. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not being negative. I'm not being negative, but like that, that's, that is, um, I'd say, our best chance of, of silverware this season just purely on the teams remaining in the competition and the fact that we're starting from a level sort of playing field from this point on. So, of course, want to win. Um, There's no reason not to play a strong side because of the international break. And yeah, it'll be a cracking occasion. I love Vinny. For me, he just feels different to, to all of the other legends that we've had in the last 12 years or so, however long, 14 years since the takeover, because I know he sort of came in the summer where... Abu Dhabi were funding City and the takeover hadn't been announced, but he feels like just different to the others. He feels different to Yaya, he feels different to Aguero and Silva because he was there right at the very start and we signed him for eight million or something like that. Yeah, seven, so yeah. yeah, and he was there all the way through and right until his last games for the club, he was regarded as an integral part of the squad, which I think is an unbelievable achievement and, and speaks volumes about his ability. As a, as a footballer and yeah his love for the club is clear you know he's married to a, a Manchester City fan which is lovely as well and Guardiola's been talking him up in the press and says one day I have no doubt having studied his team over the last few days that he will be back at Manchester City and for me that the evidence so far is that he could be Guardiola's replacement in a few years the way it's mm. going well, it's not going to be Patrick Vieira, is it? Let's put no. it that way. Uh, Ali, you can have the same question. <laughs> now, I suspect there's going to be a rotation, but with the international break coming up and a fully fit squad, as far as I know, he said he hadn't spoken to, hadn't done training yet when he uh, he brought the press conference forward, uh, Pep, so he could watch the Champions League draw. Yeah. Uh, for me, he has no reason to play a weak inside for this game, but I think he will make changes. What do you yeah, think, think he'll do? What do you want him to do? Okay. Um, oh, what I think... Well, okay, I'll go with what I want him to do, first of all. Um, I think, actually, there there is a very good argument that says you have to use these FA Cup games to rotate a bit and mm. get well, match match time, match just, minutes. Just to put list. in, Ortega will be in, and we'll probably expect yeah. that. So I'm talking yeah. outfield players. Let's Sure. We'll do, let's I, stick I think to we're, them. Yeah, we're taking Ortega as red, I think. Yeah. Um, I think probably Kyle Walker has to come back. I think mm-hmm. he's been in the doghouse for a couple of matches um, and you don't want him to be 
missing out on that many on on that much match fitness. So I think Walker probably is is due a return. Um, I don't really care about the centre backs. Um, maybe uh, Stones and Laporte maybe are the ones. I mean, of, of Laporte, I think would probably needs the minutes as well. So I would put him in that category. Um, I'm not at all sure about the left back, whether we have one, if we have one, who it will be. Um, I've got a vague hunch we might see that Bernardo covering the left back position mm. again for this game, um, or Rico coming in to, to cover that, or, or who knows, maybe even Gomez. Um, but I'm, I'm absolutely stumped on that. I presume Ake will be given a break, uh, cause he's played so much time, um, and other people haven't. And then further forward than that, now this is where it gets really fun. Um, the if you were thinking about the the welfare and kind of long term prospects of every member of our squad, you would probably want Calvin Phillips to be taking Rodri's place, and you would think that you know he needs to make this tournament his. This is when he you know shows what he can do and shows that he belongs to this club. Um, my feeling is he probably won't. That we actually need Rodri for this game, and that Rodri probably will start. And I think it is probably will be very bad news for Calvin Phillips and it's unfortunate for him um, but my hunch is that Rodri gets to nod over Calvin um, I think KDB has to start despite what I said earlier about weeks off and all the rest of it and given the mm. form he produced um, I think KDB uh, needs to be there in the middle and I think I would like to kind of see a, whether you call it a 4 4 or a 4 or whatever um, with Rodri and KDB and then Haaland and Alvarez with Mares and Foden on either side, someone like that. Um, so Alvarez would kind of be playing as a 10. Uh, that would be fun. Um, but I think Mares starting, particularly because he looked absolutely blistering when he came on the other night, uh, really looked up for it. Uh, he has to get a game. Um, after Phil got rested the other night, I presume he's back in as well. Um, and I think because, you know, we want to get, win the game and he's going to want to get another hatful of goals, uh, Haaland definitely starts. Um, so, uh, that's kind of, you know, what I'd like to see and what mm. I think Pep will do. But of course it's Pep. So actually he's going to, you know, play yeah, a one back or left back and, and, yeah. and select an ostrich to play in the middle or something. I have no idea. George, do you disagree with any of that? I have my doubts um, about Haaland, but. We don't know, do we? Let's be honest. Yeah, I, I think he should go strong. Yeah. Um, I would not be risking anyone who I would consider to be an injury risk. So for me, the more time Foden gets to rest his foot, the better. So I would play Grealish over Foden. I think Mares definitely comes in, given he sat out the last couple. And I also wouldn't play John Stones because he's only just returned from injury. I know he's, he's played quite a... I think he's played the full 90 in the last two or three, um, Palace and Leipzig. And we, I don't, I'm not jinxing him. I don't want to be pessimistic, but we know what can happen when Stones goes away on international duty with England. And I'm really wary of that. He, he does sometimes come back injured. So I don't I don't know why I don't know whether it's coincidental I, I don't know if it's because they have a different regiment for him but uh, or regime rather but I would keep stones out I wouldn't I think he should play Laporte but who knows he seems to be in a bit of a mood with him he probably wanted to loan into Paris Saint-Germain in January um and I, I would still play Haaland. I think you keep the momentum going. There's no reason not to play Haaland. I mean, you're right. You can bring in about five players and not be weaker. That's the yeah. thing. 
Uh, I mean, you can bring Laporte in, you can bring Walker in, you can bring Mahrez in. Uh, you can bring Rico Lewis in. You know, the, in a way, he can't play much weaker, can it? Because we have a very small, tight squad. Yeah, uh, but I don't think we're going to see Cole Palmer. Um, no, and I guess people would you know, want to see Rodri over Phillips, but yeah. ultimately it's... It kind of has to be a strong. He's not going to draft in youth players, is he? Anyway, it's just you know we've gone past that stage. So. I think if we had a big Premier League game on Wednesday night, then we'd be, yeah. Whenever he's going off an international break, anyway, then why not? Well, that's why I'd be disappointed, Ali, if he does make a lot of changes. There isn't one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. No, I think I think international the, duty, obviously, Pep's, players yeah. will still be playing. Of but, course, yeah. Yeah. It's not the same, Pep's form, um, Pep's uh, tradition, if you like, in, in cup games is to play the the first string squad games, uh, squad players who have not been getting a lot of games lately. Uh, that's what he always does, and, and I assume he'll do the same again. Uh, but it, I don't think he'll be quite agree. It, it won't be Cole Palmer, and it certainly won't be any kids coming up from the uh, EDS. No. Uh, Jordan, just how tough a game are you expecting then? Yeah, just, tough. Yeah. I yeah, mean, they, yeah. you know, I spoke to John, he talked about they rely, you know, it's no surprise how companies set them up. I've not seen them this season, to be honest. Uh, but obviously, they're a million miles apart from a, a Daesh team, style-wise. And they, they, have, they rely on possession, which I think he said was something like 67, 68% or something, their average possession. Now, they're not going to get that with City, but they're still going to be a tough proposition, aren't they? Yeah, definitely. I mean, they are 13 points clear at the top of the championship. They're, they are a Premier League team. We have yeah. to think about them as a Premier League team. So, yeah, I think it's going to be a tough game. It'll be a test of their confidence in their ability to play out from the back and keep possession against a squad like ours. But we, we've seen that teams can keep possession against us. It wasn't long ago that Arsenal, and I know they're, you know, 20 places above Burnley but it wasn't long ago that Arsenal reduced us to 36% possession or something like that so we're not as um, imperious I think as we once were and, and particularly off the ball um, we don't win it back quite as quickly so that they'll get a chance to play the game and as I say we've got to treat them as a Premier League team because that's what they are uh, they've, got, they've got some really neat players I like um, that Matson at left back for them funnily enough uh, he's on loan from Chelsea and I think his contract is running down so I wouldn't be ma- I think we might be taking a look at him to be honest so keep an eye on him Matson Ian Matson he, he played an absolutely beautiful ball for uh, uh, what's he got Ed Teller scored a hat trick yeah Nathan Teller did, yeah did you see the second goal the, 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 um, I don't know it, it, it I would say De Bruyne-esque, but it was coming from the other side. Just an absolutely astonishingly beautiful curling cross in for a tap-in. Uh, yeah, really rate him. They've yeah. got some really exciting players there. Yeah. Okay, let's end with a score prediction then. Uh, Ali, I'll start with you. I think they will score, but I think I, I think it could well be quite chaotic. I think it could be a bit of a uh, harem-scarem game, and I think we might end up winning something like 4-2. Mm. Classic night FA Cup night, yeah. I'll take that. <laughs> I'll take that. Uh, Jordan, what about you? I'm hoping that they'll come and be brave and play their normal game and De Bruyne will put them to the sword and it'll finish 3-0 City. I mean, if we play our first, you know, whatever you consider our first team, I can't see it being anything other than a, you know, a comfortable victory. But, you, see, you know, 
you see the problem with cities like Southampton away in the Carabao. Mm. When you can do so many changes, the rhythm can go. That's my main concern. And Burnley be are probably better than Southampton, just to say. Yeah. But, you know, at home, we've obviously already beaten Liverpool in various competitions. We've beaten, uh, put seven past Leipzig, beaten Chelsea, Arsenal, Liverpool. Yeah. It's been, it's been an eventful and successful uh, season in the Cups at home. So long may it continue. It'd be nice to get back to Wembley. So fingers crossed we should get over the line. Uh, I just hope Pep looks at that international break and yeah, puts out a strong side and we keep our rhythm and momentum going. Right. I think we've put the world to rights. All I will say is uh, also congratulations to Rico Lewis for being called up to the under 21 side as well. Fully deserved. So we've covered virtually everything, I think. So there we go. Ali, thank you very much for taking the time out and coming on today. Absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah, uh, Georgia, thank you very much. Pleasure. Cheers, Howard. Uh, that's a wrap. Uh, we're all off to find out who unplugged the microwave at UA for headquarters. <laughs> Have a great weekend, everyone. And as always, up the blues.